Ladies and gentlemen, this comes to the end of the episode on the recent U.S. protests and Black Lives Matter. We heard the different views. We heard how brands are supposed to perform and which brands and who can join the narrative. We've looked at the science side of the whole journey and different views, but we all concluded and agreed on where we should head with all this and how much brands can contribute to change. Thank you very much. Welcome, uh, gentlemen, to uh, another episode, but this time is a bit different. It is round table to my audience. I have Thomas Dowson, I have Michael Owen, I have Tony Nakby, all brand experts, and we're here to discuss the current uh, U.S. protest and how brands are trying to fit in the narrative and those that actually fit in the narrative or those who are trying to belong to the narrative. So let me start with um, Thompson from uh, Michigan. Uh, Thompson, you've been working on brands for a very long time. And how do you see the current events and, and brands that are trying to fit into this narrative? Um, right, right now, you know, as we speak right now, I, I sort of see a 50-50 split between, um, you know, brands that are authentically expressing where they're at in the moment and brands that are um, trying to be part of the narrative but, but, but are doing it in an awkward and clumsy way. Um, I mean, there's, I'm, I'm trying to think of some specific examples um, of, of, of what I'm talking about. One, one that comes to mind is, uh, you know, here in, um, you know, makers are, are, are now, you know, trying to, to tell you how sensitive they are to your plight by offering you, you know, a, incentives to buy but the you know incentives to buy have been a part of that business forever and ever and ever they're just kind of in a clumsy way using the turmoil that people are experiencing economically to juice demand for products that are already highly discounted yeah yeah um michael owned um yeah. from london um, your thoughts on the current um, events and which brands do you think are trying to fit the narrative and which brands are trying to belong, knowing that this narrative could be an advantage for them? It's a really weird one. I mean, um, I've often thought that if you look at the business plan, well, there's two places to look, I think, in these businesses. One is, you'll have heard this, of course, look in the boardroom and see how many black faces versus white faces there are there. I, I really do think that's the first place to look. But I, I also think that um, I'll come to your question in just a second, by the way. So the first place I think is have a look at the boardroom to see whether what might be being said is sincere. And the second place is, is the business plan, because I think this kind of messaging, if it appears in the marketing or, or it fits with the marketing effort of the organization, it just feels wrong. If it's part of the operations part of the business, you know, it's kind of what they do anyway that's that's where this kind of activity should be but to come back to your question it's a really really tricky one because um there are one or two brands and an example of one i think is i think it's rihanna's clothing brand i can't remember the name of it 
But basically, for a period of time, she just shut. She just shut the business in, in, in respect of the terrible things that are going on. And there are one or two other uh, brands, Bagheel, who are, do, who, are, who are donating all of their profits for a period of time to, um, to, to the causes relating to the oppression of black people. But the, the last thing I'll say is, and, and by the way, those examples I've just given you, I think, are good examples of what a brand should do if they're sincere about um, um, talking about this subject. But what I was going to say is, I think that it should all be a light touch. It really should be a light touch because if it's heavy and it's big and it's look at me, it just feels wrong. It should be a light touch, whatever they do, I think. Well, great. Uh, Tony Nakby um, from London, what are your thoughts on uh, the current narrative uh, for brands in the U.S.? protest and which brands do you think perfectly fit and which brand do you think or brands you think are trying to belong into the narrative so they can get some credit um i i think mark was kind of hit the nail on the head in the sense that the voices that kind of seem to be the loudest in in this current climate are the ones that tend to reinforce uh for me personally in terms of brands i think the difficulty is and i think brands tend to walk a very fine line because this is the information age where information is readily accessible and shared across social media and the internet. People are very aware of company activities. And so it's very easy to call bullshit on brands when they try to make a play on the, the kind of the current event and sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Like I said, I think it's a very fine line. And I think Michael's hit the nail on the head, is that if it, if it appears as part of some kind of brand or marketing message, it, it does tend to ring false. People kind of point out the fact, well, you know, you say one thing and you do another. And then again, like Michael said, at the board level, you only have to look at, you know, a handful of the world's largest corporations, and you'll see that they are predominantly white. Uh, at that level. So if you're going to kind of talk about, you know, supporting African-Americans or, or, or the black and minority uh, groups, there really should be some representation at the highest level. Um, the only other thing I will say is that the current climate, the current events really probably just serve to highlight the kind of the whole message of social injustice. Um, and that's at, at, at a social level and at an economic level, at a, at a corporate level. It's, it's looking at how minority groups tend to be very disadvantaged uh, and, and that kind of representations. And at the same time, you have these big brands kind of telling us uh, what we should be thinking, what we should be feeling at this time. Um, you gave an example uh, earlier of Nike, uh, I think in 2016, with the whole um, Colin Copenhagen uh, taking a knee at the end thing, at the beginning of the NFL games, and he got a lot of stick for that. But, um, but it was Nike that kind of backed him and kind of continued to sort of support him with their messaging. But then you only have to kind of look at Nike and say, well, how... Is that a kind of a superficial 
support of a of a minority figure, or does it run deeper within the organisation? And then you kind of look at that and say, well, if you really care about social justice, you ought to be paying your workers a fair wage and providing, you know, better working conditions and things like that. So I think, like I said, it's, it's a fine line that brands walk, but it's very easy for them to talk the talk, but the really hard thing is to walk the walk. Oh, perfect. Um, so, if we look at if if we look at uh, uh, like uh, Ben and Jerry and Nike and uh, United Colors of Ben, they've been all around social justice for a very long time. Uh, ben and Jerry recently decided that they're going to launch a new ice cream called Resist, um, which is they just announced it about two, uh, two days ago. And maybe the way they announced it might sound superficial due to the fact that it's in the middle of all these events, but we understand that Ben and Jerry are always um, after social justice. It's been their voice, it's been their, it's been their brand voice for a time. Uh, Thompson, what, what do you think, what do you think um, of Ben and Jerry and uh, their contribution for social justice. Well, I, I think you, you said it pretty pretty clearly. I, I I think they had the they had the credibility. They've earned the right to do that. Um, it's it's just who they are. Uh, they 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 are elevated. Uh, you know, in 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 such a way because. Quite frankly, the founders have a higher consciousness about, you know, how life should be lived on the planet. And then that's how they have built their business. So here we are at a time where they have an opportunity to remind us once again that um, this, the, the, it's time to elevate ourselves above the uh, social inequities that happen in a consumerist capitalist society. Very true, very true. Now, uh, Michael, there's a lot of um, content on social today that they're actually pushing that, oh, every brand should participate in this narrative. But not every brand fits this narrative. Mm -hmm. Not even, not, not, we're talking about here about their ethos. Not every brand has the core essence or even their social responsibility events. Do you think brands should participate? No, it, it, it depends who's making the statement. There's a bit of an echo on the line here, but you tell me if we need to stop. I'll carry on. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know where it's coming from. What do you think? Tony, Tony? Is the echo coming from you? Uh, I don't know who it's, I can hear it, but I don't know who it's coming from. Yeah, I can hear it. That's strong. It keeps on, um, it, it echoes a lot. I, yeah. yeah, I'm not hearing it. Okay, well, I'll, uh, I'll carry on. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Sorry about you. Okay, um, when somebody says everybody should participate as a brand, I think we need to understand who's saying it. And we need to know what they mean by uh, participate, because um, you can participate in an appropriate or an inappropriate way. So it's not valuable to say everyone should participate, because I don't know what they mean. 
uh, because I agree with what I think you're alluding to, Bagheel, which is some people should just shouldn't be part of this. If you're a, I don't know, if you're a zany, absolutely, if you're a zany brand known for just your humour or just your irreverent approach, why on earth would you get involved in something like this in an overt way? It would just be entirely inappropriate. I think. Or imagine, or imagine the uh, the array. Say again, sorry. I just don't see. I said I don't. I can't even imagine Harley Davidson part of this narrative, or the NRA. No, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, Ben and Jerry's is interesting for me because um, they they have they. I think they can just about get away with it. It was a beautiful. A piece of packaging, in my opinion, they did a little pun on the word pecan uh, from memory. Yeah. And you know what? They can just about get away with that because it fits their fits their brand, I think. But it's really weird. I feel odd talking about the principles of brand around this subject. I really do because we weirdly in my day to day life, it's always brand first. But with this subject, it has to be brand second. It can't be brand first. It's just, it's just wrong. But the big thing for me is this. Um, one of the pillars of all branders, perhaps we would all agree, is consistency. So if the behavior of the brand at this precise moment in time is inconsistent, clearly it's wrong. If it's consistent, clearly it's right. So I think the, the simple question of should a brand get involved or not is a very simple answer. If your involvement means that you be, can be consistent to your brand behavior going back over 100 years or however long you've been around, then get involved. But if it involves an inconsistent, fundamental approach from a brand strategy point of view, then you just can't do it because it feels wrong. Or if you're going to do something based on your value set, then just give some money to the causes and keep your mouth shut because that's what your values would dictate that you should do. But um, I don't want to sound a bit grumpy about that, but for me, it's about consistency. If it feels consistent for you to behave in a certain way, do it. And if it doesn't, then don't, because the consumer won't won't stand for it. I just I just love how you uh, you pointed out that brand comes second, especially in this event, because the event itself is so powerful. So whichever brand contributes into the event or trying to get into the narrative, he is not seen as first. He's seen as second. Uh, just the power around also. Uh, Black Lives Matters itself, you know. The, the voice today is not only African Americans; it's also whites, it's Arabs. It's, it moved, it, it traveled all over Europe. Now you have protests in Amsterdam, London, and so on. So, uh, whoever tries to fit in and doesn't carry the the essence itself, I think, I think, I absolutely think, uh, is just going to look bad on them. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is going to look bad on them. Uh, Tony, what are your thoughts on uh, the sort of uh, brands that should participate? Well, again, I think Michael said it on the head. I think it comes down to the fact of is, okay, so first of all, just because you have a voice um, doesn't mean you need to speak. And is speaking really now what what's needed because this whole thing, the whole conversation, the whole narrative at the moment speaks to more than just about supporting black communities and, 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 and minority groups. The, the conversation goes larger and it's about change. 
people want to see change. I mean, because we've had these instances in America for a long, long time. This isn't the first time or, you know, regrettably, probably not the last time this will happen. Um, but it's only now the message becomes so amplified. It's called fine. I, I, it might be the case that this is the straw that broke the camel's back. That, that, that people are really just fed up. They've had enough. They're taken to the streets and they're demanding justice. They want change. They want to see something concrete happening at, at a social level, at a governmental level, through law enforcement, but beyond that as well. Again, as we talk about social justice, you know, economically, um, you know, in terms of opportunities for people. I think for, for brands, if you're going to talk about, uh, about supporting minorities, then it's not enough just to put a tweet or, or an Instagram post saying Black Lives Matter or, you know, you've got to, you know, because it, it, it does look superficial, it does look skin deep, if you can't qualify that somehow. If you're a brand that's known to be exploitative, then you don't have a voice. If you're a brand like Ben & Jerry's, where the core of your message, the core of your brand is about social justice, is about uh, making people more environmentally responsible, then I, you know, you, you do have a right to, to speak in that place. But I think the problem that brands face is that, you know, this is by and large a marketing effort. And as, as, as Michael alluded to before, if it comes through those channels, it is it, very easy to get diluted. And, and after a while, the kind of the message just fades away, and everyone forgets about you and your brand because you, it's not part of your core ethos. If it's a part of your brand strategy and your organisational strategy, and, and a core part of your business, then then people will pick up on that and, and will support it. But but that that again, the difficulty there is is that most of the big corporations in the world are beholden to shareholders, right? So, so profit comes before people for most corporations. So no, no matter how much you talk about something as a brand, if your business isn't supporting that message, then I, I don't, you know, me personally, I don't think you should be speaking out. I think what you should focus your attention on is not bringing attention to the fact that you've tweeted a message about supporting black lives. It's to do something concrete, do something concrete. Not, not just for your business and your employees, but the wider community and society as a whole, because that's what people are demanding. They're demanding change. Absolutely, absolutely. You know what? Um, um, I sort of, um, not so, I agree, fully agree, because I've always asked when I see uh, sort of any short term engagement, I said, then what's, what's next? What's the, what's the continuity of this? I mean, we've seen Nike, what they did with the NFL. They continue, they continue, they have to do this. But then you have brands that jump in and jump out. Like Michael pointed out, it's only a marketing message. But the thing about the, the whole NFL uh, and Nike thing, was the, the problem with that is, is that once in the long term, it kind of, it helps highlight uh, a, a particular problem, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really resonate with people because it doesn't speak to society as a whole. It's about you know, uh, 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 an individual and his plight that the, that, the, that the message is supporting. Then the community as a whole 
they were trying to reach out because they had a product that's very popular within a certain demographic. And it reinforced because what else is Nike doing to support those communities? What grassroots programs do they have for ethnic minority groups? Or, or what are they doing in the projects of you know, underprivileged uh, communities in America? I mean, do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it, I'll go back to what I said, it's a very fine line. But on the one hand, you can kind of be seen to supporting a very important cause. But then people, it can ring totally false when people highlight the fact, well, you know, actually, as a brand, as a company, as an organization, it doesn't really go beyond, you know, some flashy posters and some marketing. Could I mention something, Bagheel? Would you mind? Go ahead, I think, go ahead. Uh, it's really interesting listening to, to Thompson and Tony, and I just scribbled down that um, I think perhaps a nice way to, well, this is the way I'd summarize it, I think. I think if a brand wants to join the conversation, they have to have earned the right to join the conversation before now. Because I, anyone who joins this conversation now, I ask myself the little question, how long have you felt like this? How long have you actually believed what you want us to believe you believe? And very few of them do I think that they've thought like this for very long. And that means that they haven't earned the right to join the conversation based on that way of approaching it. I do think there's a way, though, by the way, if somebody who has never, ever, if a brand who has never, ever talked about black issues before wants to join the conversation, I think I would be forgiving of them if they joined the conversation and said, look, you know what, we, we didn't actually think about this as deeply as we should have in the past, but from now on, Forever, we're going to do this. We are going to commit to supporting this cause forever and ever. So I actually don't think it's a prerequisite that you have to have, to use my term, earned the right to join the conversation because of past behaviours. But you can actually, I think, legitimately join the conversation if you commit to something for the future. But definitely not this, you know, let's tick a box and put a bloody Instagram post out there. Or, or indeed... Let's give, you know, if, if these companies are giving profits for the next two or three weeks, you know, there are one or two companies giving 100% of their profits for two or three or four weeks or months, maybe. Why don't they say, look, this is an important thing. So we'll give a much lower percentage of our profits forever and ever because it's not going to go away. Um, so that, that's the two ways I think people get, can get involved, either by saying, look, we always felt like this. Here we are again. Or, my goodness, we never realised this was so serious. We're part of this forever and ever. We will commit. Those are the two ways, I think. I agree. Thompson, your thoughts on this, please. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree. I think that for, the, for a brand that has, um, has in, in their mindset, come to uh, a new realisation that they can no longer behave in the way they have been behaving. Um, they may not have the experience or the, the earn the right, as we say, like Ben and Jerry's, but they're coming to a, a place in their own um, elevation of their own consciousness. They're starting to recognize that, you know, we, we are living in interesting times. There's a, a global pandemic. We have an economic crisis in many companies. And those two things have exacerbated the already long-existing social injustice all over the planet. 
So when I look at this, um, if you take a, a CEO of a, of a brand that hasn't been around very long, and, and that happens to be my specialty, I work with those early stage companies, you know, they're, they, they definitely can come to a, a point where they say, you know what, um, this is important and uh, we, we want to be part of this solution for our, for our own good as well as for the good of others and they do it in a legitimate, authentic way, I think consumers um, will be very open to that kind of a message. Mm, very true. Let me ask you this. Uh, I will ask this question to um, all of you. Um, in America, the right-wing media is trying to position uh, Ben & Jerry as a socialist brand. We've seen a few uh, post articles. <laughs> it's the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you have a segment that it's looking right now at Tom and Jerry, I'm sorry, Ben and Jerry as a socialist brand, and they're attacking them left and right. Oh, and some are saying we're going to boycott the socialist brand. Remember, uh, now, ben just want you to know how much is a is a is a portfolio brand, a big company's portfolio. Oh, I know, I know. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's funny how medias are able to influence uh, the public on what sort of narrative they should believe in. Whether uh, Ben and Jerry is pushing for the narrative of social justice, while the media is pushing them into the socialist uh, corner. Uh, your thoughts on this, Tom Thompson? Yeah, I don't, I don't believe anything in the media, and and uh, I think the the media is. Is it more of a contributor to our problems than, than uh, you know, because we have such um, divisive attitudes here in the U.S. It's us versus them, and it's it's just corrosive. And the media, whatever side you happen to be on, exploits that for their own gain at the at the cost of of uh, more confusion for people. Uh, Michael? It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because um, to push a brand toward, you know, to, to, to label a brand socialist will make some people like it more and some people like it less, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really valid point that was made there about you either choose to view things through the prism of the media or you don't. But oftentimes, what choice have we got? Because that's the way we get our flipping information. So it's really tricky. I'm sorry I'm not really answering your question directly here. Um, but if it's around um, uh, the media painting Ben and Jerry's as a, as a socialist brand and whether that makes people turn against them or for them, what, what's happening? I mean, are more people going, my goodness, we're going to boycott them because of a certain a approach? Uh, forgive me, I'm not really. No, it, yes, it happens. It happens. I mean, I mean, look, at Bernie was positioned as socialist twice back in 2016 okay. and now. All right. So. Uh, uh, Tony, uh, how would you defend if you were the head of uh, the CEO of Ben and Jerry, and the media, the right wing media, is attacking you as a socialist brand, and you want to move away from that narrative, and you want to fit in that social justice narrative that you've been so successful for so many years? How would you defend that? How what would well, be I your position? I think for Ben and Jerry's, they're probably laughing and clapping their hands, thinking, you know, well, great, you know, <laughs> socialism. It, it just means you know sharing stuff. Well, yeah, that's mm -hmm. what we're all more stuff and perhaps if we did share more stuff and shared it equally between everyone we might live in a happier world 
I think the problem in America is just that they um politics tends to be very divisive and very polarizing. You know, you have the Democrats on the one side and the Republicans on the other. And and and, and from the beginning, you know, they've been at each other's throats. And for America for a long time has been been fed a diet of corporate capitalist free market economics that dictates just about every facet of of their society and so when you have the republicans and the democrats weighing in on each other and feeding the media which like michael says tends to be more divisive than it is uh, uniting um you kind of get these kind of sound bites coming from politicians you know oh, ben and jerry's is a, is a socialist company i think for ben and jerry's it's a great thing I think they're probably saying, yeah, we probably are, or at least more socialist than the Republicans, or perhaps probably more socialist than the Democrats. If we see it through the lens of, you know, being more equitable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm done, sorry. <laughs> Hello, Tony? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Michael, where do you, uh, uh, Michael, where do you see? Um, this is going to be our sort of our final. But where do you see us heading from here? Yeah. The brand, the brand, and uh, I look at Black Lives Matter as a brand. By the way, I, I think uh, uh, it has a great presence. Uh, Apart from awareness, mm-hmm. it has a strong message. Uh, the point that the idea has been sort of uh, exported so fast to Europe and other places of the world that shows you the yeah. the influence of the American culture. So, uh, so I yeah. believe that I Black Lives Matter is a brand. That's why it's shame. so I powerful that other business brands are looking second to talk about Black Lives. Black Lives Matter as a pure entity because it's become polluted, I think, with the idiots who just want to cause trouble. So strangely, on the question of um, how should a, I don't know, I'm going, I'm going to repeat very briefly what I said before. If it's consistent to your brand behaviours and your, the brand values that you've displayed forever and ever, then keep mm. moving in that direction and be supportive of this uh, very good thing is what I would say. But the reason I use the word, I think I use the word polluted, it's become polluted because there are people, maybe in the media, maybe um, in, in just people, you know, because, cause, you know, um, there's, there's violence and there's, there's vandalism. For me, my brain still manages to push that over to the right and say, that's not, that's not, uh, that's a horrible distraction and what a shame because Black Lives Matters is of value, but what a shame it's become. Pol- I don't know what you do about the pollution. This is the way I'm sorry, I'm mumbling a little bit. I'm trying to work out what you do to get rid of all the mess because the principles of what it's standing for, I would stand by forever in a day, but um, it's just getting a bit messy. Um, I, 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 for what it's worth, I have a tiny little clothing brand here in the UK, and all I've done in a, in a recent newsletter, I chose to look at education and the fact that education of um how people behave to people of different races is um, bad. So I, 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 isn't as good as it could be. So I basically, I kind of did a little bit of research, found 10 books that educate children about how um, equality is actually the way it should be. 
And I said, look, in my newsletter, I just said, look, guys, these are great books. And I might buy a few copies of the books and, and give them to somewhere that they're going to make sense and be relevant in. So that's my, you know, I'm not a, there's not a lot of money in my little businesses, but that's a little thing that I want to do. But I'll do it quietly. I mean, there's only us, us four and, a, and the people who listen to us back here. So I'm not doing it for marketing reasons, but I just think education is one way not out of this, but through this. So that's what I'm going to do in my tiny little world. But what a shame it's become polluted with the silly people. Don't know what to do about that. Agree. Uh, Thompson, where do you see brands brand heading from here? And talk about humanity just in, in, in general. I, I really do believe that, that people... Um, are at a, a really interesting point. It's, this is a global phenomenon. All these things have come together to address um, a core human question. And, and that is our ability to uh, bring injustices to other humans. And until human beings learn not to do that, uh, Companies, organizations, governments, they're all reflection of, of the collective. And uh, I really do believe that uh, brands uh, and leaders uh, that are leading those businesses, um, when their behavior uh, leads the way by elevating the consciousness for all. I have a saying, you know, what matters to you needs to serve the good of others. And when it does, the marketplace typically rewards that and that builds competitive advantage. That's kind of the heart of my whole argument, but it's, it's really a, the humanity is first. The brands are a reflection of whatever that humanity is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, it's, it's an interesting one. And I think it, it, that there's a couple of things that I'll Perfect. say. Tony, your, the first your final words. Brands really are just a, a collection of values, personalities that they want to be known for. And so I think if you're, if, if, if you're, if you're gonna continue this, then it's only gonna happen if, if this really matters to you as a company, if it is a part of your core brand um, that you want to be known by. Because I think more and more uh, consumers are not gonna be mollycoddled by the brands and, and, and kind of hoodwinked by brands that they're, they're, they're going to start demanding uh, real change and they're going to start demanding that uh, brands act much much more responsibly um i think the other thing it, it, in terms of this specific point in time I guess really it just depends on whether we're looking at just another snapshot that will eventually kind of just, uh, just wither away in the media and people will kind of forget about it and it'll just become kind of another moment in history. Or whether we are at a turning point, uh, whether this is a time where, where, where not just brands, but societies and governments around the world realise uh, that that change does need to happen. And as Thompson said, I think that the broader question outside of this is, is just how responsible we are going forward for the planet, because that's really, I think, where this conversation is headed, that a lot of people have realized 
that a lot of the inequity in the world is all about a, a privileged few taking advantage of the many at the expense of the world that we live in. There's a, a, an interesting uh, news um, item that I saw on Sky News uh, yesterday, and they published, they had an opinion piece, and they, and they published a poll asking people about what was the most important thing for them in terms of the current economic crisis together with the coronavirus and then recent events in the US. What, what, what's the most important thing that they need to see change going forward? And one of it was climate, the other was pandemic, the other one was law enforcement, and the other one was the economy. Of, of, of the people that were polled, the vast majority, almost 40%, said that they thought the climate was the most important issue going forward. And I think Thompson is, 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 is right to kind of highlight that. I think we're at a point in history now where humanity needs to stop, take a deep breath, and kind of look at ourselves, what we're doing to each other, what we're doing to the planet. And, and it's an interesting, it, it's a social, it's a... It's a it's an economic, but it's also kind of a philosophical and religious discussion because, you know, when you think about it, the earth is the only place we have and there's, there's no second home. And the, the, real, the real issue with climate change is all about humanity because, you know, if we die off, you know, if, 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 the, if, if, if humanity can't survive on the earth, the earth carries on, you know, it will, it, will, it will carry on regardless of whether we're here or not. The real question is, do we want to continue to live on this planet? And if we do, we really need to take care of it. And we need to take care of each other. The thing about is that they need to become part of that conversation really, really soon. Because I think people, I think people are fed up. And I think they really want to see change because... You know, the, 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 whole, the whole conversation needs to be much broader and much more accessible because there's a lot of people out there that, aren't, that, that can't concern themselves with climate change because they, they live, you know, in very challenging circumstances in, in maybe a deprived area or a deprived economy, uh, that they're part of a, a minority group that's, you know, that, that suffers persecution for some or so it's very well, you know, it's all very well for a lot of us to kind of talk about climate change and being more socially responsible and being more ethical. That's fine if you're kind of very sort of, you know, well-to-do, quite affluent and can kind of and, and afford to put that change in place. But like I said, if your lifestyle is a day-to-day -day struggle, climate change, you know, perhaps doesn't register very high on your radar. So it's an interesting thing that a lot of people becoming more and more concerned about the environment, about the earth that we live on, about inequality. Um, and at the same time, are, are economically and socially challenged. So I think, you know, for brands, you know, if, they, if they're going to survive, they need to be part of that conversation. They need to be, they need to be actively part of that change. It's an interesting balance. Would, would you mind if I made a little no, point? No, no, go ahead. 
the, in the UK, I, I can't work out who's in the UK and who isn't, but the, I just wanted to make a very quick yeah, point sure. about two things. The first one was about the uh, the uh, supermarket chain, uh, Iceland. So Iceland, the supermarket chain, it's just between 2 and 3% of the UK market here, but that's actually quite big. Anyway, I just wanted to make the point that their, their managing director, um, the second generation of the same family, Richard, I can't remember Richard's last name. But anyway, the bottom line is this. He... He is doing things which he's constantly getting in trouble in the boardroom because he's looking to reduce plastic use and just change some of the um, uh, things that impact on um, global warming in his business, but actually erodes profitability. So he's, he's not listening to the consumer base. He's actually doing what his values are as a man. And that's really, it pulls against this thing about, it, it may very well um threaten the very existence of the organization but i flipping hope not uh, the reason by the way that it might threaten the very existence of the organization is because iceland the demographic of the people that shop at iceland are, are generally the less well-off people who and i'm generalizing of course generally because of the economic pressures of life care or, or behave in ways that aren't supportive of um you know, um, reducing global warming. So I just wanted to, that's actually the brand leading the market rather than the brand being led by the market. So I just wanted to say, look, if you decide to do it and it's in your heart, you do it. The last thing I wanted to say is there's a tiny little book out there uh, that you may well have heard of called The Contributive Business by a guy called Simon Middleton. And if you, you can download it for free if you just look for The Contributive Business by a gentleman called Simon Middleton, who I happen to know here in the UK. And the only reason I mention it is because it's a tiny little book that looks at the difference between a contributive business and a competitive business. The competitive business constantly trying to outpunch the competition by doing whatever it takes. The contributive business being driven by the change that it wants to make in the context of, um, for example, global warning, warming. Now, because you, that, that book can be read in 20 minutes it's a teeny tiny little book and it's called the contributive business and i think it's by a gentleman called simon middleton and i think it's um it speaks to a lot of the things that thompson and tony and bagheel have been saying today so i just wanted to mention that I think I also think, yeah. you know, brands have been struggling for so long. Now, for example, those who are trying to join the narrative are trying to win segments from the commercial side. But as long as a brand continues, and this is my actual, the biggest problem that I see around, as long as brands intend to just think commercial and uh, bypass the point that brand can be genuine, can be transparent, can be honest. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Uh, they're missing the, that part. That's where brands are missing. I mean, you don't build brand loyalty under the uh, just the commercial side of the brand, which is the functional side, but you need to inspire. You need to, to the, the whole entire cause, whatever it's Black Lives Matter or anything, it should be in the heart of the business, not something that an extended arm whenever something happens. Like like you mentioned the question, about, um, uh, Michael, about your project and uh, education. If brands, if brands put education or any sort of thing right in the heart of it, I think, away from humanizing the, the oh, business yeah. itself, they, they'll have a much greater purpose. And I think through purpose is where you build great loyalty. 
you know. Uh, gentlemen, thank you very much for this episode, and I'll talk thank to you guys very you. soon. Thanks, thanks, and uh, Tony, Michael, Farewell, Thompson, thank you. always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, this comes to the end of the episode on the recent U.S. protests and Black Lives Matter. We heard the different views. We heard how brands are supposed to perform and which brands and who can join the narrative. We've looked at the science side of the whole journey and different views, but we all concluded and agreed on where we should head with all this and how much brands can contribute to change. Thank you very much. Thank you.